0: Well, hey, we are continuing to charge along in our series about building a system of sales management, and I'm really, really excited about this series. I've actually been getting some really good feedback from some of you as this has been going. So if you've been keeping up in real time, you know that two weeks ago we talked about building out sales goals and compensation plans. That's the foundation of our framework of sales management, understanding where we're trying to go and how we're going to pay our people along the way. Last week, we talked about utilizing a documented sales process. This is how we move from this is how I do it to this is how we do it. If you can make that transition to utilize a documented sales process, all of a sudden your team can get better. And without that, there's simply no way for the team to improve because there's no common language or established process of how things should be done. Well, in today's episode, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is operating from a sales dashboard. And we'll get into it in the episode here, but this is something that really changed the trajectory of my career about 10 years ago. And I had never used a sales dashboard for the initial years in the industry that I had. And all of a sudden, once I had one, something clicked and I just realized there is simply no other way to do sales except to have a dashboard that we operate from and like literally when when i go in to do remote sales management gigs with companies one of the first things i do is i implement a sales dashboard and a weekly report so that the team has a place to go to understand where their opportunities are, what they're going to work on for the day, and then a report at the end of the week to let me know how they did and where I can help them. So that's what today's episode is going to be all about. Now, in the next episodes, We're going to move from operating from a sales dashboard to coaching the right behaviors, right? Once we have these things in place, the sales process, the dashboard, what are the right behaviors that we need to be coaching with our teams? The week after that, we'll talk about operating off of key metrics. I really believe there's a few basic metrics when it comes to managing a sales team and leading them forward that are important and ironically These aren't the metrics I often see companies pay attention to, and we'll talk about why that is. Now, the week after that, we'll talk about running a regular sales meeting. This is really, really important. A sales meeting has got to be one of these weekly foundations in your company that people just know the meeting is happening at this time on this day, no matter what. Then finally, we'll spend some time talking about a commitment to sales practice. If you can commit to sales practice with your team, that's the crown jewel on all of this that ties it together in perfect unity. Okay, so with that said, let's get started with our episode. We are going to dive deep today. It would be worth getting out a pen and paper as we talk about operating from a sales dashboard. All right. So let's go ahead and get started talking about a sales dashboard. So what I'd like to do at the beginning is rewind a little bit and give you some context as to how I started using one. Now you may have heard the story if you see me give live presentations on the sales process. And in particular, when we talk about step six, which is pursuing the opportunity, but for my first probably 10 years or so in the industry just about, I had never even heard of a sales dashboard. We didn't have any kind of a follow-up process. And I remember one day my boss's wife came downstairs from his office and was talking to the sales team. And at the time we wrote everything up by hand and we had carbon copy papers in a dusty bin in the corner of the showroom where we would put our estimates when people didn't buy. And she looked at the sales team and she goes, Guys, I was looking at this. I added everything up. And there's over a million dollars worth of business in here. And I remember just arrogantly thinking, what are you talking about? That's just where we put all the stuff for the people who aren't serious. And, and that was so wrong and so arrogant on my part. But we just had no concept whatsoever of calling our customers back and following up with them. and And I would say actually many companies in our industry to this day view following up with customers as a pain. I've literally had companies complain about the leads that get sent to them for various reasons. And one of the things that I feel like if you were to ask me, what is the one attribute that a company needs to have in order for them to have a chance? I would say that they need to believe that follow-up is important. Even if they're not executing on it, they've got to genuinely believe Follow-up is important, and I wish we did it better. If, if there's that desire to follow up with customers, then I think that business has a chance. But if that desire is not there, I don't think that there's a chance for that business. And the reason why is that pursuing the opportunity with your customer, following up with them, is about you wanting to inconvenience yourself to solve their problem. It's about believing enough in what you do to call that customer back and see if they had been taken care of yet. And if that desire is not inside of your company, I don't know what can be done. So those are some of my thoughts. And I would imagine that for many of you listening to this podcast that you, you do want to follow up with your customers. You wish you had a rhythm to pursue the opportunity, but maybe there's some guilt and shame over just the fact that it's not being done consistently. So today I want to talk about using a sales dashboard to build that out. Now, what happened for me is, eventually I started at a company, and my boss told me that I needed to keep a quote log. And I was like, what's a quote log? He sent me over an Excel sheet, and basically it was just an Excel file where I would just document every quote that I wrote up, the name, the name, the dollar amount, and I would just simply mark if it was a go or not, right? A a go was if they put down money. And it was just as simple as that. And I would send it to my boss every week. And... As I look at it in hindsight, again, this was kind of like the weekly report that we'll talk about in a future episode, but it was his way of just staying in touch with what I was doing. And oftentimes, he would call me over the weekend and say, oh, hey, I was looking at this. Tell me about this job. This looks like a really good one. Or, yeah, you didn't write up that many quotes this week. Did not many people come into the showroom? And it was a way for him to understand where things were at and help me. And and for me, it was also something that I had to stay accountable to because I knew that my boss was going to be looking over my quotes every single weekend and and it ended up being a really good thing now, as I started to manage sales teams, the quote log didn 't work because it was on a, it was on a single Excel document and it got it gets messy and wasn 't formatted the same way between everybody. so what we did is we built out a pretty complex Google Sheets document where every team member had a separate tab on the Google Sheet and we would track our jobs. We had sections for what stage of the pipeline the job is at. We'd rank the attractiveness of the job, that sort of thing. And that worked pretty good. There were some problems with it because, again, the nature of Google Sheets is that People have a little bit too much editing power. Stuff gets formatted weird. But it was a lot better than nothing. And it gave us a semblance of starting to put things together so that a team member could look at their Google Sheets sales dashboard, immediately see their opportunities, know which ones were the best opportunities, and check their stages of the pipeline and their notes of their contact with their customer. So that got us to a point. Now, as I left my job and started going all in on wi fi -er, Our goal was to take what we would built with the Google Sheets sales dashboard and make it better to fine tune the rough edges, add some automated reporting and some metrics to it. And that's what we ended up doing. So that's what I recommend to people now. But the point of this is that no matter where your company is on that journey, whether you're just starting out using the Excel sheet or whether you pay for a professional grade service to do this for you operating from a sales dashboard is one of the most fundamental changes you can make in your company. And it is worth dying on this hill with your team. Now, as you think about operating from a sales dashboard, one of the temptations is to think that the point of sale system or the ERP system you use has one. And what I'll say is that many systems in our industry will talk about how they have a CRM. It stands for Customer Relationship Management. And and really, they, they do in the sense that they have something that you can look up a customer, you can check past notes, you can see past invoices, that sort of thing. But a sales dashboard is a little bit different than that. Because on a sales dashboard, we want to have one place where we can log in and in one spot immediately see all of our opportunities that are on the board, we want in literally two seconds of looking at this to be able to tell, okay, these are my best opportunities, these are my worst, and you want to be able to know exactly where they're at in the sales pipeline, you want to be able to see your notes from your most recent call, and also the last date that you followed up with them. You want all of this in one spot when you log in. And what happens oftentimes is inside of CRM systems that are made with you know point of sale products and ERP products in our industry these CRMs are made more specifically for B2B sales, business to business, where your customer will have a profile. you have to double click to get into it, to look at their profile, click on this tab to look at their past invoices, click at this tab to look at the last notes you add from the job, and then double click twice to get back to your list of all your customers. And to me, that doesn't work. It, it's too click-intensive, and the switching cost of our brain moving from tab to tab to tab to tab makes it very, very difficult to use it as an effective sales dashboard for follow-up. In our industry, where most of our businesses are B2C, business-to-consumer, where those customers, at least from like an appliance perspective aren't going to be buying something from us every month or every month and a half the way that a builder would be. When that's the case with B2C sales, we want a dashboard that shows us everything in one spot. B2B is a little bit different, where CRMs, like I just described, coming with many of the software systems in our industry, those can be more helpful for B2B But for B2C sales, they often require a lot of extraneous effort that distracts from what we're trying to do, which is pursue the opportunity. Okay, so with a sales dashboard, I want to give you a few things to think about. As you're looking at a dashboard or if you're going to create one, you want a dashboard to show you all of the information you need and none of the information that you don't. And I know that saying that, it's like, well, okay, you got to define that a little bit. But there's information that you don't need to see for customers when you're following up on opportunities and pursuing them. As an example, I would say on your sales dashboard, when you first look at this thing, you don't need to see your customer address or city. That Now, that's, that's, that's for me. I am okay scrolling outside the screen to look at that or clicking in to look at that. And we'll talk about why in a minute, but that's not one of the things I immediately need to see. The things that I wanna see are name, phone number, the most recent unit that they looked at, The dollar value of their project, when I called them back last, what stage of the sales pipeline they're at, and any notes from my most recent call. Those are the things that I want to see immediately when I look at it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about pipeline stage, and I want to talk about job grading. So every job that gets entered into your sales dashboard should have a grade assigned to it. And I would recommend using it like a school grade, A, B, C, and D. Now, I personally don't use F, and the reason why is if a job is an F, you shouldn't bid it. So you should have a list of jobs that these are F jobs. We do not do jobs like this. Now, likewise, you should have a list of A-level jobs. I literally just went through this with a company last night where we spent a lot of time talking about the different kinds of projects that come in and where they are on that attractiveness scale. That's what the A, B, C, D is. How attractive is this job? So for many companies, a gas-to-gas insert where right there's gas in the fireplace already and the gas insert's going into a masonry chimney is an A-level job. They would love to do nothing but those. For many companies, a one-story wood insert is an A-level job. I mean, does it get any easier than that. That's an example for you. Now, in your company, there's going to be jobs that are A-level, that are B-level, that are C-level, and that are D-level. D-level jobs, in my opinion, are jobs that you wish you didn't do, but your company does. And truly, you should be charging a lot more for these jobs, not because you want to fleece the customer, but because they're more time-intensive, they're riskier, and they're just much more difficult for your company to do. So, I would recommend creating a grading system where you list out different kinds of jobs, gas insert, gas stove, gas fireplace, wood insert, wood stove, wood fireplace, pellet insert, pellet stove, pellet fireplace, all these categories of projects that you do and write a letter grade for where that job starts at if everything is the best case scenario. Now, what I'd recommend then is actually putting together a filter where, okay, a gas insert might start out as an A, but... If the chimney goes higher than two stories, it becomes a B. Well, if we have to run gas line on it, it becomes a C, that sort of thing. So a job always starts out at its most ideal grade. And then as you run through the filter of vent pipe, demo, gas line, those sort of things, the job could be lowered. Now, customer attitude could take a job from an A level to a D level. That's totally fine. The purpose of all this is that when you enter this into your sales dashboard, right away, you need to assign a letter grade to it. And that letter grade needs to be really, really easy to see. After assigning a letter grade, you want to mark where in the sales pipeline this job is. Now, sales pipeline, we've talked about before in the podcast, but I want to give a quick rundown on this because this is really, really important. So if your company has a retail store, Chances are your sales pipeline has four stages. Stage one is the customer gets an initial estimate or estimate range for their project. So this would be the example of they come into the store, they talk to a team member, and you're not gonna go out to their house blind to look at it, so what do you do? You write them up an initial estimate or you know, preferably estimate range for their project. That's stage one of the sales pipeline. Stage two of the sales pipeline is that the customer schedules an appointment. Stage three, your team completes the appointment and finalizes the quote. And then stage four, the job is either won, it's lost, or it's put on hold. That's a really simple four-stage pipeline. But you want to mark where in the pipeline your job is so that when you look at your dashboard, again, you can immediately see, okay, this is an A-level customer, and they're at stage two, the appointment is scheduled. Looks like it's scheduled for next Friday, so I can plan my follow-up for the following Monday. That's how this works. Okay, this customer is a B-level job, and it looks like they're already at stage three. We've completed the quote. We've visited the house. The only thing that's left is for them to give us money. All right, Hey, this customer is an A-level job. They're still at stage one. They got their initial estimate, but they weren't ready for an in-home visit yet. According to my notes, it says they were going on vacation this week, but they wanted to get something scheduled the following week. Do you see how looking at this starts to make it really easy for me to make my follow-up calls and follow-up emails? It makes it really, really easy because I understand which opportunities are my best, where they're at in the pipeline, and what the next action that I need to take is. This is what you want your sales dashboard to show you. You want to have a really simple way to enter this job in, mark the grade, A, B, C, D, mark the pipeline stage, and then update your notes. These are the basic things that you want inside of a sales dashboard and you want quick reference like you want to be able to look at this and as an example I want to see my last 25 opportunities right in front of me with all this information as I scroll down I can get my 25 before that and before that. This is really about looking at the total volume and then I can start cherry picking my A's and my B's for follow up. Now another thing on your sales dashboard that's really really important is in addition to notes, to make sure that you've got a field that shows your last date of contact with the customer and how many total follow-ups you've made. So as an example, what I love to see is right next to my notes field, I have a date column. And that date has, you know as an, as an example with this last customer, they weren't ready for an in-home visit yet, they're on vacation, uh, they get back in mid-April and they were interested in scheduling an in-home visit sometime after that. Those are my notes, but the next column over, it says April 2nd. Okay, that was the last date that I talked to them, was April 2nd. And then I can look at the next column over and see three follow ups. Okay, I followed up with this customer three times. So when it comes to making a follow up call, one of the biggest reasons that people are afraid of it, and frankly, that they don't do a very good job of it, is because they don't know the context of the customer and they don't know why they're calling. When we just call and say, hi, I'm, I'm calling to check back in on your job. Did you want to go ahead with that? It's really weird and it's, it's awkward and customers don't like it. You know, many of them won't take action because you're not calling with any value. But when you can call that customer and say, hey, Mrs. Smith, I'm giving you a call from XYZ Fireplaces. You were in the showroom a couple weeks ago on April 2nd, and we talked about your project and getting an in-home visit scheduled, but I know you were on vacation last week and I wanted to check back in now that you're back from vacation. Did you want to go ahead and get that scheduled? My estimator has some time available later this week. You know, you sound like a professional. You know what you're asking for. You're familiar with the situation and you can speak to the customer clearly versus the boss being too busy and saying, hey, can you call Joe back? And you call Joe and you have no idea what you're asking for or what you're trying to do. The sales dashboard really changes everything. Now, I wanna shift focus a little bit and talk about the discipline and the pain that it will take to implement this. Now, it really is a game changer to operate from a sales dashboard because what will happen is you will immediately see the productivity of your team, you'll immediately see it, but it's difficult. So the reason this is difficult is because we've never done it before. And a sales dashboard has got to be used. What I what I would tell my teams and whenever I have, you know, consulting gigs where I'm working with a company on on kind of implementing this, I, I tell the teams like, you need to have this thing open every second that you're in the office. You need to swim inside of this thing, live and breathe it. Every time somebody calls you on the phone, you put them in your dashboard. Every single time someone comes into the showroom, you put them into your dashboard. Now, there's estimating systems you can use where every time you write an estimate, it automatically pulls them into your dashboard. But many companies don't have that luxury, and it's still worth manually entering these into your dashboard because there's nowhere else you're gonna be able to get this quick reference information to close sales. But I'll say, if you've never done this, it's it's like building a muscle. It's like, you know, all of a sudden you gotta wake up every day at five in the morning and go running. That behavior change takes time before it becomes, quote-unquote, natural. So what I would say is that as you implement this, you're going to have resistance. Your team members will give you every reason why they can't use a dashboard. It's too clunky. It's double entry. I already write the estimate up in our point-of-sales system. Why do I need to document it in this dashboard? That's such a waste of time. I mean, I could be selling with all the time I'm doing typing in paperwork. All of those things are excuses. And this is what it comes down to. Salespeople often don't like this at the beginning because what they do is now public and visible. Everybody can see it and everybody knows what everybody else is doing. And if your team has never had their work and their productivity visible before, it can be intimidating. So my word with teams is always, the reason that we're using a dashboard is so that I can help you, number one, and so that you can make more money, number two. That's the reason why. And if you're too busy to use a dashboard, honestly, you're too busy to make money because there is no way that you can retain all of the information for all of your customers in your head and know when to pursue these opportunities. You just can't do it. Now, when it comes to operating a sales dashboard, there's a mentality that you have to have as a business leader, and that mentality is a combination of grace and iron will. So you got to have grace for your team members. You got to be able to show them, "Hey, I'm coming alongside you. I'm not using this to beat you over the head. I want to help you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how to use this tool. I'll meet with you every morning for 15 minutes." to help you enter any jobs into it that you missed from yesterday. I'll meet you at the end of the day for 15 minutes to talk through today's jobs and to get them put in. You know, you have to make time for your team to do it because like you, they've never done this before. So it is difficult. So you gotta show grace. But at the same time as that, you have to have an iron will that this will be done. And if this is not done, you probably won't have a job here. And, and, and you gotta hold both of those things Intention with each other, because in the same way, if you had a, a customer service representative that said, "Well, I'm not going to use our point of sale system. I'm just going to keep a spiral notebook and write down every customer and just keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it," you know, you would say, "Well, no, like you you, you can't do that if you're going to work here. You you've got to enter customers into our system and you've got to update the notes in there, and you can't write everything up by hand because." How's anybody else going to find that? And what happens if you're out sick? And you know, this is the same way. The reason that this slips through the cracks is that often a sales dashboard is a secondary piece of software to the main ERP or point of sale system that you use. So you got to fight for this. Now I had a team member at one point tell me, well, Tim, this is, this is really good for basic salespeople for entry level salespeople. I can see how this is really helpful, but I don't need this. Like I stay in touch with my customers on my own. And again, I mean, that would be like a pilot telling you, you know, I'm a great pilot. I don't, I don't need the pre-flight checklist. I don't, I don't actually need to fly with any gauges. I've I've just got a really good intuitive sense of how this plane flies. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. Like it's, it's literally stupid to say that it's, it's fundamentally misunderstanding what the relationship is between you and the customer and, and, and you're, Capacity to remember details that you obviously can't remember. So, this is a big deal. You have to be unrelenting in your resolve to say, we are adopting a sales dashboard and there simply is no other way. Now, I'll tell you another story that's really cool, though. So, one of my former team members, when I was managing retail stores at Fireside Home Solutions, he joined the company and I was explaining the sales dashboard that our team used. And I told him that, you know, at the beginning, this might seem a little bit redundant. Every single job, every single customer, you've got to enter into this thing. But I'm telling you, it's probably going to take three months. But three months from now, if I were to take this away from you, you'd be furious and you'd, you'd come and you'd try to beat me up because this is your ticket to making money. And, and he trusted me. And for the first few months, like, you know, it was, it was tough. And I would come alongside, I would help him, I'd meet with him sometimes before or after hours to, to, to work with him to enter customers into this. But, but that switch flipped and and it got to a point where he was literally like, this is my brain. Like, I don't have to remember everything because it's all in here. And, and, and in the same way, like if I was to take it away from him, he'd be, he'd be furious because You know, again, like his follow up rhythm, the way that he understood what was going on with his jobs was all done through the sales dashboard. Okay, so I've talked about that for a while. And one thing that I also want to make clear is that, again, if you're in a system where you're using a secondary piece of software to do this, that's not connected to your main point of sale or ERP system, that's totally fine. You know, many of the most successful companies I've seen use secondary software systems for this tool. The purpose of a sales dashboard, though, is not to track the entire life of your customer once they buy from you for the next 5 to 20 years after that. The purpose of a sales dashboard is to track your opportunities that have not closed yet. And that's a fundamental difference. You know, your, your point of sale system, whether you use QuickBooks or Service Titan or Striven, whatever you use, that's an amazing system to hold that long-term information but what you need is something where I can track my immediate jobs that have not closed yet and get the relevant information that I need. So my recommendation is that when somebody places an order, just simply copy and paste your notes from your sales dashboard right into your point of sale or ERP system and you've got all the notes inside of there. When you look at it, you know, even if you're doing manual entry, it only takes you about 20 seconds or so per customer to add them into your sales dashboard. But the discipline of doing that sets you up for major success. So once you have a sales dashboard, you have the relevant information, you've got your job grades on it, you can start to build out some really cool processes. One thing that I believe in is I recommend setting a goal that every salesperson follows up with all A and B level opportunities a minimum of seven times. Minimum of seven. But only on your A's and B's. So if you think about this, if you start categorizing your jobs by A's and B's, well, you don't have to follow up on everything. And your C and D level stuff that you don't want as much, don't pursue it. You'll find as you do this, you start selling more A and B jobs. Life gets easier for your install crews. Your salespeople sell more in less time because they're pursuing the right jobs for your company. The other thing that I really like about having a dashboard is that you can often filter your opportunities to see, okay, how many opportunities do we have at stage one? How many do we have at stage two? How many do we have at stage three? And I love to plan the monthly promotion calendar based on what's inside the dashboard. So I really believe that retail stores should have a monthly promotion every single month, but you base it on what's in your existing pipeline. So as an example, if you look at your stage three jobs, and in in the case that I gave earlier, stage three would be, we have completed the in-home visit, we finalized the quote, there's nothing left except for the customer to sign on the dotted line and commit to the job. If we look at all of our stage three opportunities, let's just say that three quarters of them are wood inserts. Well, Next month, your promotion should be on wood inserts. So you can now call all these customers back and talk about, hey, we were out of your house a couple of months ago looking at this wood insert. I just wanted to let you know that we have a promotion going on for $250 off of any of our inserts that are sold this month. And I know that budget was a concern and you're waiting for a good time to buy. So I just wanted to give you a call to see if you wanted to get onto our schedule. You know, that will drive a ton of sales for customers who are at stage one where you're trying to win that in-home visit after getting the initial estimate. You can put together a promotion on pellet stoves. If you have a lot of pellet stoves at stage one and, you know, that's 150 bucks off a pellet stove for any pellet stoves where our in-home visit is scheduled this month. This gives you a very strategic way to plan promotions versus just randomly throwing something at the wall and hoping that it sticks. The other thing that I really like about sales pipeline is that the transition of stage two to stage three is really important. So if you remember in my example, stage one is that the customer's received an initial estimate or estimate range. Stage two, we've scheduled an in-home appointment with that customer. Stage three, we've completed that in-home appointment and finalized the quote. And then stage four, the job is won, lost, or put on hold. So stage two is where the appointment has been scheduled. Stage three is where the quote and the appointment are completed. What I really like to do here is to monitor it, especially if your company has a dedicated estimator that's not you or your salesperson. When you look at jobs at stage two, watch how long it takes to convert them to stage three. So if the in-home appointment is scheduled for a week and a half from now, what you can do is mark that date on your calendar and call the estimator that day and ask if they were able to turn the quote around. Doing this drives behavior for estimators to either turn the quote around themselves or to get that information back to you if you're the one that turns it around in your company. So track how long does it take a job From when it starts at stage two to get to stage three. That's your internal follow up, right? You're following up with your estimator, not with your customer, but it's still just as powerful. Now, when you have a sales dashboard like this, what you can start to do is set a goal for your team on how many follow ups per week they need to be doing or how many dedicated hours of follow-up blocks they need to have. So one of the behaviors that I really, really like is to give salespeople two 60-minute blocks per week to follow up with their customers. If they don't have a sales dashboard good luck. They won't get much done. But if they have a sales dashboard and they can take an hour off the showroom floor, maybe in the back office where they're uninterrupted and can work on follow-ups, really powerful things can happen. And you'll find that often these two hours a week of dedicated follow-up are their most productive hours to the point where you might be giving them even more follow-up blocks because they're so effective with it. Now you could go the other way and you could have a minimum amount of follow-ups per week. And the goal that I would recommend for most companies, if you want a number of follow-ups per week, I would have each of your salespeople shoot for 15. If they can make 15 follow-ups per week, chances are they're going to be doing a good job staying in touch with their customers. One final thing on this before we wrap it up is that having a sales dashboard also allows you to hire other people to work on follow-up. So as an example, at my old job, we hired somebody specifically for the purpose of follow-up. Now, he worked on the showroom floor as a greeter and as kind of a liaison between the customer and the salespeople when we were really busy. But his primary job was follow-up. And what he would do is he would look through the sales dashboard and he would call back our best opportunities again and again and again. And he would just update notes on it, but he would call and ask if customers wanted to get on the schedule. And we would give him a spiff every time somebody place that deposit and you know that spiff would be you know i think it was like 40 bucks or something like that but we'd have some months where where we would pay him I mean, seven hundred dollars just from calling customers back. I mean, there there were months where he'd be following up with one hundred and fifty plus customers that month because he was motivated to get those spiffs. And this was an entry level position; it wasn't a full blown sales position. It was an entry level position, but he was able to make an hourly wage and some pretty decent spiff money by calling our customers back and having the dashboard to help guide that. One of the fears people have is, "Well, I can't have." Just anybody call my customers back because they're going to get asked a question that they don't know the answer to. And you're right. They will, but it's really easy. They can just call the customer and, you know, look at the notes. Oh, hey, Mrs. Smith, I know that you were talking to, you know, Eric or Susan last week in the showroom and we finished up that in-home appointment. I was just calling to see if you wanted to get on the schedule because we actually have a promotion right now for your exact product and you could save 150 bucks. Well, that customer might have some technical question and the person answering the phones will go, Oh, okay. Gosh, that's a great question. You know, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I'm actually going to see Eric later today. Let me talk to him, and I'll make sure that we give you a call back before the end of the day with that answer. Customers love this. Like, we don't have to have every answer on the phone. We just need to show our customers that we're a professional organization that is actually able to help them. My hope is that as you listen to this, the wheels are really starting to turn, and that, and that you can see how... Having a common dashboard changes everything. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it's easy. To implement this is tough. But if you want your company to move from playing defense to playing offense, especially in the relationship business you have to have a dashboard to keep track of everything. So this is a really fun episode for me. You can tell that I get hyped up about this, but I've seen the power to transform a company in the sales dashboard. And my hope is that this gave you some really good tips to implement this within your own business. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Again, that was really, really fun for me to do. And as we talk about building the framework of sales management, a dashboard is absolutely a part of it. And like I said, implementing it will be tough. Your team members will resist it. And honestly, it's kind of like when you put GPS on your install trucks, like every business should have GPS on their install trucks. And, you know, installers hate it at the beginning because what they're doing is now public and it's visible and this is kind of the same thing, but once you get started with it and you can show the team that this is here to help them, it's here to improve their performance, to allow you to coach them and to help them make more money, eventually they will either get on board with it or you'll find that they actually weren't that great of a salesperson to begin with and they'll go find something else to do. And either one of those is okay, right? We want to have grace for our people and, and help them with the tools, but, but we are going to require that these tools are used. Now, I mentioned this the last couple of episodes, but one thing that we're working on at Wi-Fi to try and help jumpstart this framework of sales management is called our Sales Accelerator Program. And this is something that's available for all Wi-Fi partners. There's a cost to it. But we, we have this opened up to everybody for 30 days totally free. and It's, it's a weekly and a monthly rhythm of sales management. And so to sign up for it, you can go to whyfire.com slash sales. You can enter your team members in and we'll get them plugged into this rhythm. And the rhythm is that every Monday we'll send them an approximately 10 minute sales training video to inspire and motivate them for the week. Every Wednesday, we're going to send your team a reminder to follow up with four customers and a quick tip on how to do it. Finally, on Fridays, we'll send each member of your sales team a link to fill out a weekly progress report. And again, this report will take less than five minutes to fill out, but they are going to document what they did that week, how many customers they followed up with, how many new estimates they wrote up, what's the one thing they want to work on next week to try to move the needle for the company, things like that. And this report will go straight to you. So from a management perspective, once you sign your team up for it, the only thing that you need to do, make your team Fill out this report every week. Make them do it. And you can look at it now and understand, oh my gosh, they did this. That's incredible. Like celebrate that win. You can see where you need to come alongside and coach your team. But every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Friday, we will help your team out with that rhythm. Now on top of that, once a month, we'll invite your sales team to a live Zoom call that I do where I'll be doing sales training for about an hour, answering questions, doing live practice, and making sure that your team has what they need to go out and crush it for you. So like I said, you can go to wifire.com slash sales to sign up for free for thirty days. And honestly, like even if you're not a Wi-Fi or partner, sign up, use it, learn how to do it, and then go do it yourself. Like, that's totally fine. The point of this is to build a rhythm of sales management that you can use sustainably over time. What we felt like we wanted to do is we wanted to remove the administrative burden when it comes to sales training, reminders to follow up in the weekly report. We want to take on that administrative burden so that you can just focus on telling your team, hey, did you watch that video? Did you fill out that weekly report? And you can come alongside as the coach, not the administrator. Well, like I said earlier in the episode, we have a long ways to go in this series still. We're gonna talk next week about coaching the right behaviors. After that, we'll talk about the key measurements we need to operate from, running a regular sales meeting, and then finally committing to practice. But I feel like with this portion of the podcast season, we're we're going really deep in a way that we haven't before. And I just, I just feel this need to make sure that, as things start to slow down, that you have the tools that you need to start playing offense with your sales team. And, and hopefully this has done that for you. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's well, hey, you've got your homework now. You've heard about the value of a sales dashboard. And again, there's a lot of different places that you can go for that. You can start with Excel, you go to Google Sheets. I've seen people use Monday. You could use Wi-Fi or you could, you know, talk to your company that sells you your ERP or point of sale system and find out maybe they do have something. But this week, you need to take the time to figure out which dashboard am I going to use? What information is going to be on it? And how am I going to implement this with my team? This is the time of year to make change. There's a little bit of downtime and you got to strike while the iron's hot. So with that, we're going to wrap this episode. I'm really excited to see what you do with this. And I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Firetime podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Fire Time Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. all into burning down.